0: Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast of Cornerstone Anglican Church in Bridgeport. We are a people seeking to proclaim that Jesus is King by loving God and loving Bridgeport. Thank you that you speak to us. Um, thank you for the Bible, and we thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. Would you open our ears um, and our hearts to receive, even if just one word that we could take from this place today? in Jesus' name. So I have a confession to make. Um, as a pastor, weddings aren't my, actually my favorite thing to do. Um, there's maybe a complexity of reasons for that, but maybe one reason is that I have just so many wedding loopers. I've done not a lot of weddings. Nate's done, Pastor Nate's done a lot more than I have. Um, but it seems like every wedding I've done, I've done something wrong or something pretty major has gone wrong. Um, I'm not going to tell you those stories today. I- I'm not going to tell you about the uh, first wedding I did when a uh, stretched limo pulled up uh, playing Shakira music, or I'm not going to tell you about the time I wore the glaringly wrong colored clergy shirt for somebody's <laughs> wedding here in this room. Um, I'm not going to tell you about the wedding I did where instead of you know, throwing rice at the end, there were little tequila bottles being thrown uh, as the bride exited plastic, but they still look kind of hard. And I'm not gonna tell you about the time the best men forgot to bring the rings. Oh the no. Party. So anyway, I'm not gonna tell you those no. stories. You can ask me about oh, this later if you would like. Um, but you know, there's one very unusual wedding that I didn't do myself, um, but that has become seared in my memory and in my heart. Um, so if you can picture this with me. So there's a woman in her wedding dress, um, you can almost imagine you here in this space walking down the aisle. Um, this is the moment that she's dreamed of for years. Uh, there are tears of joy in her eyes. Um, she just radiates, really. Her friends and family are gathered uh, in the space, in, in the church building. And she comes up before the, in this case, um, the, the priest who's who's there, Um, but there isn't a visible room in the room. She then um, takes a set of vows or promises and receives a wedding ring. And she vows her life as a nun to serve the Lord for the rest of her life. Um, This is not a wedding that I saw in person. This is not something, um, it it was from a video or a movie I watched based on a, on a true story of, of a nun, and this is still to this day how nuns uh, commit their life to serving the Lord and to serving the church in a lifelong um, vow. or, or it's a, They enter this covenant relationship, and um, in many cases they do wear a wedding dress and they receive a wedding ring, a wedding, a wedding ring and they make vows or promises to serve the church. That scene that I saw of this woman, she was just radiant, and she was so excited to give her life. It really was something she had dreamed of since she had been a young girl. This was actually during a class that I took on uh, monasticism in college, and just this commitment to Jesus, but also it was this picture of God and the church. And that's what marriage is, of course. God and the people of God in a covenant relationship forever. Um, and this is somehow what I, How I picture this scene We're going to be looking at Exodus 19 today And if it seems like a strange story To start off Exodus worry, I'll unpack this a little bit But as I was reading this encounter as we've been in the sermon series In the book of Exodus This encounter between God and His people In the wilderness Before the mountain of the Lord Right before receiving the Ten Commandments The best way that I could picture In my own mind and heart what was happening was this sort of wedding ceremony between God and his people. Um, Let's unpack this a little bit, and let's look at how God in the wilderness forms a covenant community for the sake of the world. Let me say this again. How God in the wilderness forms a covenant community, we might say a special people, for the sake of the world. So we see, just like in a wedding, um, or in the case of the nun saying her, her her vows, we see um, we see that an entering into a new reality, a new family. But before that, we see this um, what we might call a um, in between uh, state. This is true for all what we might call rites of passage, right? There's this liminal state where you're leaving what you were. there's this in-betweenness before you become something new and usually it's uh, become something new together with others so in the case of a wedding you become a new family but it's in the context of the larger family of god well here in this case this is of course the covenant-making god who makes a new people here and he's inviting them in the wilderness into a new reality as the people of God. So what's happened? We, we've been in a series about the rescue of God. And so there's this leaving Egypt behind, leaving slavery behind, uh, the miraculous rescue of God. But then what's next? Wilderness. If you, look at, if you have your Bible there, or you can um, just hear this as well, from chapter 19, 1 and 2, it says exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the... Wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called him from the mountain. And jumping ahead to verse 4, it says, "Um, You know how I, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is the New Living Translation. Brought you to myself. So there's a freeing from that happens in Egypt. They're rescued, they're free. But then, free, free for what? Mm -hmm. Who are they to become? What is God's purposes for them? There's, in the wilderness, a stripping that happens. They are free. They are a new people, but they are not yet a new people. They do not have their identity. They do not know who they are, or what they are for, or what is in store for them. And so we see, after Egypt, but before the Promised Land, Wilderness, wilderness. Isn't this interesting? That in a sense Moses had to do this before. He had to do this first himself, and he spent how, how many years was it also forty something years on his own, actually, in Egypt himself. And then we see the people of God doing the same thing now in the wilderness. And part of what I think is happening here is God is is wooing, He is inviting, He is gathering His people to shape them into something, into, uh, into a new identity, into a new community. Man, what we wish that it could just be like Egypt and the promised land, like A and B, or A to Z, just right there, but we have wilderness, man, we'll get back to that in a little bit, but there's this space, this stripping, and that's where God reveals Himself. Mm-hmm. We can't skip wilderness if we want to meet God. We can't skip wilderness if we want to be the people of God. It is in the wilderness that God reveals Himself through the burning bush, the little image that we have for the sermon series. And He's in the wilderness, at the same place, that God reveals Himself, what we might call, uh, theological theophany, the appearance of God to His people, again, in the wilderness. And this is how it is for us. And it's here as God is wooing the brides, wooing the people of God to himself, that he proposes a new identity. There isn't this individualistic saving from slavery. It's together as a people. And he says, I carried you on eagle's wings, verse 4, I brought you to myself. And then we see now the the God. Um, Fulfilling the covenant promise to Abraham back in Genesis, that where that promise to Abraham that he was going to have uh, a nation of uh, children as many as the stars in the sky. We see that promise now, kind of the next step in that covenant relationship now between God and his people. And then we also see that then the requirements for living into that new identity. Verse 5 it says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant. You will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is God speaking to Moses about the people. Um, So here here comes an illustration from Corny but not so corny Christian um, movie or Christian television series, The Chosen. How many of you have seen The Chosen? No. Um, surprisingly good, right? And surprisingly not too cheesy. Every once in a while, a little bit of gotta have some cheese with this Christian media. Um, but season two, uh, maybe episode four, one of the scenes that really um, hit me is Jesus and his disciple, or Jesus actually isn't there, but it's the disciples. They kind of set up camp in. I don't know if this struck you from the series, but there's a lot of this filling in kind of gaps that we don't see in the Bible. We um, see imaginatively. But what would it have been like to be sort of on mission with Jesus? But also on a mission with 12 other disciples and even other people that are around, kind of going around in the wilderness, going from place to place place, kind of basically camping and being homeless. You know, I hadn't thought of that very much before. And you see them, you know, making breakfast, you see them setting up camp, cut wood. You know, getting annoyed, fighting with each other. To me, that, it's pretty interesting. But one of the scenes that really struck me was the disciples are sitting around a campfire at night. Jesus isn't there. And Mary, Jesus' mother, had just come. And they're, they're chatting and they're sharing their stories. And they're kind of wrestling out loud with each other about what it means to follow Jesus. Have you ever seen that scene? I think season two, episode four. Something like that, three or four. Uh, what struck me and what struck this chord in my heart is this longing that I have uh, to be with the people of God, a longing of community and belonging. You see, this sort of ordinary moment, but it's also this holy moment of the disciples really wrestling together about what it means to follow Jesus. And they actually don't have a lot of answers. Um, they're asking Mary, hey, Mary, what was it like to be Jesus' mother, and when did you kind of get it? And, and, and they're talking about, but there was a sense of belonging and of being together, even if they didn't have it all figured out. And I said to myself, man, that's what I want. That's what I long for. I wish so much for the church to be a place of belonging and you know, of just kind of around the campfire together, trying to figure it out, but doing it. As a people. And it's interesting that the the, the series is called The Chosen. You can ask, well, who are the chosen? Obviously, Jesus is the chosen one. But then the disciples also are chosen by Jesus. And we see here in a similar way, then, the people of God, Israel, which is what the 12 disciples later are, are, kind of the new Israel, right? The new 12 tribes of Judah. You see, Israel being chosen by God as a people together, as a rescued family, together in the wilderness, God reveals Himself, He sets them apart, and He proposes and gives them a new purpose. It's, again, it's this, uh, think about covenant. Covenant is about community. It's about people coming together. For what purpose? We'll see this in a second, but it says you will be my own special treasure. And saying, "If you want to be my people, you were before slaves of Egypt. That wasn't an identity. That was an anti-identity. That was a uh, you were literally your image, your being image bearers. You were distorted. You stepped down. You were not giving dignity. Now I'm going to give you dignity. I'm going to give you identity. I'm going to give you family and community as my special possession. You're my." You're going to be my covenant community for a special purpose, which is what's thing. But to be part of that there's just like in a wedding, you have vows, you have commitments to make. I'm going to commit to you, and we see that God keeps His commandments, which are unfailing, unbreaking, regardless of the unfaithfulness of the people of God, our unfaithfulness, over and over and over and over again, and then of Israel, over and over and over again. You see how hard it is to deprogram Egypt and slavery from our minds and from their minds. But God says, "I will keep uh, my promises." And but this is what it is for you to now be the people of God. And this is where the Ten Commandments come in, right? The Ten Words and all those that follow isn't just a bunch of rules. This is the covenant. Um, it's what it means to live into a covenant relationship with God. Before you were slaves in Egypt. You didn't have even the dignity of being able to form your own community and way of living. You had to adopt the Egyptian way, and the Egyptian programming had so entered their minds. This is why, partly, they need wilderness. But now, I'm going to reveal myself, and I'm going to reveal a new way of living, and I'm going to reveal my identity. This is how you can now be the people of God, the chosen. <laughs> this is a new way, and a new identity, and a new And then there's also then a new purpose. And what is that purpose? special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, For all the earth belongs to me. You will be my kingdom of peace, my holy nation. What's happening here? We see in a similar way how Moses goes up onto the mountain, and in a sense there's this mediating of the presence and the words of God to Israel. Israel, in a sense, is to be that mediating community. For the sake of the nations, for the sake of the world. And then, therefore, us as the church, there is no one else that God has chosen. God chooses his people here to be his covenant bearers, his covenant community for the sake of the nations, for the sake of the world, for the sake of to become that bride which he receives. He sets apart, we see that's part of what's going on later. Um, Verses 11 and 12 about the boundary around the mountain about getting clean and there's kind of some some confusing stuff there, but they're getting ready. It's kind of like, I just picture a bride getting ready for her wedding day. It's a BW's and R's, getting ready for her wedding wedding day. Um, They're meeting with God. This is their their covenant-making, their covenant ceremony. This is their wedding day. And Moses is to prepare them. So they're going to become a new people and they have a new purpose, which is to bless the nations and to bless the world. They are to be a kingdom of priests. Moses is a kind of priest here, mediating in a symbolic way God's presence. And then Israel, in the same way, will be as the church are to be, in a sense, a, media, a way of symbolizing, of mirroring God's love and His community and His presence to the world. And this is why we have, then, the Ten Commandments and we have the way of Jesus and the new, uh, the new law of Jesus, we could say, being the parable of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is the way you are to live and love your enemies people of God, new Israel, because we are that kingdom of priests, that holy nation. These are our covenant responsibilities, our vows, as the people of God. First Peter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You say, the chosen, why, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness. Once you were not a people think of the slaves, We if you think of us before knowing Jesus, once you were not a people now, you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Therefore, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, let me go, sorry. So what does it mean for us uh, here as, as the church? Um, just a couple of thoughts aside as I wrap this up today. Um, just ask that question What is it about the wilderness? Why is it that God reveals Himself so often in the hardest moments of our lives? Why is it that so often we have to be stripped away of so much and be naked and hurting and vulnerable to then be made new? Why are we... What is it about wilderness that God reveals Himself? see this over and over throughout scriptures, of course. This is is the case for us. Again, you can't get to Promised Land from Egypt, except through wilderness. And so I want to encourage you, um, as a people of God and as individuals, as you are in perhaps some kind of context or situation where you're being stripped away of something, or you're being brought into a, a liminal space in between, which is vulnerable and you feel exposed, Let me invite you, or encourage you. uh, Let me... um, What what am I saying? What what if that's the place where God wants to reveal Himself to you and to us? Don't despise that place. Don't despise the wilderness. And don't... um, Don't be afraid, just like Hagar, uh, just like Moses, Uh, just like the people of God here, to seek a theophany in the world. To seek a new revelation of God himself to you. The desert becomes a place of stripping of our identity for the sake of something. um, Just give a little pastoral word here on uh, so many times. There's there's so much swirling around now. A lot of it's good about um, kind of or ex or uh, uh, around kind of deconstructing our faith, around um, just a lot of pain with the church. Um, and I've been in those worlds, and I've been in that world, and I'm kind of wrestling with a lot of those ideas. But yes, we need to be stripped away, and yes, the people of God needs, needed some massive deconstructing, part of what happens in the wilderness. But we need also A clear vision of what we're, uh, 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 and we need something to be reconstructed. (laughs) The people of God here were stripped of the old, but they encountered God in the wilderness. And the word of God for the sake of a radical rebuilding of something new. A community centered on God's presence and God's word and the worship of God. And so, uh, please don't constructed by yourself, first of all. We need to do this together as the people of God, with the Word of God being centered in Jesus as a focus. And we need the people of God's help to build a new Jesus-centered community. We need to imagine ways of doing the church, and this is something I'm longing for, that sort of vision of the chosen, the 12 together, and campfires, um, and conversations. Um, but we need to do that together, and we need Jesus and His Word at the center. Otherwise, believe me, being in a desert by yourself, you know, that's, that's, and being naked and deconstructing without anything else, that's really not going to be good in the long run. That's a dangerous place to be. Um, And uh, secondly, let me just, another thought here is just reminding ourselves that, uh, what our purpose is, and what is the purpose as an Anglican family, we love the sacramental worldview, the sacramental life. And that's, in some ways, just another way to talk about God. It's just another way to talk about God mediating His presence and His healing and His love through the people of God for the saving of the world. It's what we mean by being, what it he says here, a kingdom. means living together as the people of God but for what? For the sake and for the life of the world. Uh, I've just been struck by in the creed and we'll say this here in a little bit um, we say we believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son Jesus, we believe in God the Holy Spirit, and we say also that we believe in the church. Uh, That one's been hard for me at different times. I've been uh, I've been up here every week since I was like 13, playing guitar, uh, since this little church in Panama in Central America. And Then I became basically like the youth pastor, like 15. And I just This has been like, kind of like all that I've done almost even before being an adult. And I love the church. And I remember um, in high school, in the church that I was a part of, um, there was this phrase that my pastor would say, this bilingual church we were a part of, he'd say, the church is the hope of the world. I guess it's the esperanza del mundo. And I later really found out why they took that from, from Willow Creek and then well, Willow Creek blew up and uh, you know we just kind of go this we can just go through these books or these phrases that we've heard about the church and in high school I was hurt by that church and I've hurt others as a pastor, as a leader and there's just so much kind of this this cycle. But come back to that phrase even lately I believe in the church and the church is the hope of the Believe that still, um, and I declare that. And it's interesting, we declare that together in a sense with our the faith in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's a mystery in that declaration as well um, mystery that God mediates His presence through such a broken, messed up people that hurts the world so often instead of being a part of the healing and life of the world. And that has hurt me so often that I as representative of the church have done also and hurt others. There's a mystery. And we see this first Second Corinthians, where Paul talks about um, the mystery of in, in uh, whatever language Greek sacramentum, this we even get the word sacrament from there's this mystery of the glory of God being revealed through broken jars of clay. It says, God has said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown For we who live are always been the knowledge of death for Jesus' sake. So death is at work in us, but life. You know, not, I, I don't understand all of that. And it's, it's, I'm not saying this, please, in, in a glib way, by any means. But this, I, I, um, I believe with all my heart, and I see some of the beauty of that here in Bridgeport. Um, I love to just see and hear about people moving in. It's almost like every week, oh, someone else moved into Bridgeport. You know, someone who's been Longing, we're looking for apartments for like years. I'm gonna be here in this community. And I didn't even I didn't know anything about Bridgeport, this neighborhood before you guys were here. And could almost say like, well good to come from Bridgeport, kind of a Nazareth kind of deal. Man, isn't it beautiful? I love even as a little bit of an outsider insider, am kind of here, I've been here about every six, eight weeks or something, but um, it's beautiful. You guys are manifesting in a broken way. The beauty of God's covenant and of His love in this neighborhood. I love hearing about your prayer and the group's midweek, and uh, always said, "Man, this is a this is a powerful church. God is doing something here through you all. This is a small example of a rescue family living God's rescue for the sake of the world, and it's I love it. And this I'm I'm in a season of seeking and trying to reimagine what does it look like to do church in those often small, hidden, mustard seed ways together. And I'm just blessed that you guys are doing that. So be encouraged at the same time. Uh, You all are a very broken jar of clay, of course, as well, and and as we all are. But God, in a mysterious way, is present in this neighborhood, through you all, through your homes, and your hospitality, and your tables. At this thing, Jesus is here, and He reveals Himself. He, he He shows up just like to Israel in the desert, here through you all. Together, it wouldn't be the same if we're just a random group of Christians living here and kind of doing things. No, you're doing this together with Jesus as your Savior. You are living out this reality as a kingdom of priests, and I. And blessed by that, and so is this new prayer. In the wilderness, God forms a covenant community for the sake of the world. As we go through different seasons of wilderness, individually and corporately, let's look for those burning bushes, those mountains where God's presence is revealed. And let's be shaped into His kingdom like a bride on her wedding day. Let us be prepared for that last day when Jesus will return and come.